man in the mirror. I'm going to be talking to the men, but to be honest with you, this is for all of us. This is for all of us because uh, a lot of times we want to see change in our world, but to be honest with you, when you look in the mirror, that's where the change needs to start with you and me. And uh, when you look at the world, there's so much criticism going on in our planet right now. Everybody's pointing fingers. Everybody's critical of everything. And uh, this, I remember seeing this one guy. He had a couple of toddlers, and he was by the lake and, and fishing with them. And, you know, I thought, oh, how cute. And you, I read a couple of the comments. And one of them was, what kind of father are you? Those children don't have life vest on. And I went, really? That's what you got out of that? That's, that's what you got out of that? I mean, it's just like run your face into my hand. 40 miles an hour. But anyway, I mean, you just, uh, people are just so critical of everything that you, you wouldn't think people would be critical about, but they can find something. They can find something. And uh, uh, as Christians, we should be the most loving of anybody. And I know that at times, even moi, I mean, I can be, Grouchy, I can be not as loving, I can be overlooked, all of us can. But having said that, um, I believe this is why the grace message is important. It's not just because of how God looks at us, it should be how we look at one another. And all of us can grow in that. All of us need revelation of that. But before I get into that, I know that I'm going to talk to the men, but this is for all of us. We can be really critical about ourselves. We can. And in the back of our mind, there is a voice that says, you don't measure up. You should do better. As a father, you should, you, this is Father's Day, and man, you, you really stink at being a father. You know, you, you were never that great of a father, and, and all of these negative things come back. I mean, I, I look at sometimes in my past, and I think, you know, when Danielle was little or a teenager, I just think, dear Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. You know, you just, there's times that we know that we screwed up, and all the Father said, amen. And, and we know that. But this is the thing. God knows that, too. And he still loves us the same. And he wants to encourage all of us. I know this as parents. First of all, there's no perfect parent. We all try to be or we look at somebody and go, dear Lord, they're such a great parent. And you see people, you know, that especially with their toddlers and they're so organized and they got all their ducks in a row. And my ducks would be who knows where they're at. Where are they? Forget about being in a row. But we can be really critical of ourselves. But there's no perfect parent. And parents, there's no perfect kids. There's no perfect kids. And this is what I'm, you know, they say sometimes that uh, some things are taught and some things are caught. I caught something from my mom. My mom had me, you know, when she was in her 40s. So by the time I was a teenager, she was older than most of my friend's parents. But this is what I caught from my mom. I, first of all, I made her one of the greatest prayer warriors in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> people says, oh, she's such a prayer warrior. She, people will call her and everything. I say, you have me to thank for that. 
But anyway, uh, she, in all of my teenage years, that um, I was not the best child on the planet. She loved me. She did. And I caught that. And all of my mischievous things, sneaking things, downright sinful things, I mean, she loved me. You know, parents, if I could give you one piece of advice, this would be it. You know, we have a tendency as parents, you know, we tell our kids right from wrong, and we're correcting them all of their life growing up, rightfully so, rightfully so. But you know, when they start becoming an adult, we have a tendency to keep doing that. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling when people specifically are adults, they do with teenagers as well, but when you are an adult, you probably definitely do, you know when you're wrong. You know when you sin. People say, you know, we need to hear more stuff about sin. I'm thinking, I think people know sin pretty well. Just my observation. People know when they sin. People know when they mess up. People know when they mistreat people. You know, they well, they were just rude. They know they were right. I've been rude before. I know that I was rude. I didn't just think, well, I didn't realize that. I mean, there may be small, small percentage, point something percent that when you don't know. But basically speaking, this is, this is good for parents. You need to love your kids when they become adults, even when you know they're not making right decisions, when they're not doing right. But by you going and still correcting them and trying to become that parent that you were when they were a teenager... It's going to cause a wall between you and them. That is such great preaching. Oh, yes. But this is what I want you to know. Maybe you've done that. I've done that. Maybe you're doing that. I'm probably doing that. It's the hardest thing. You know, it's easy to cut the umbilical cord when the... When they're first born, it's hard to cut that thing when they're 25, 30, 40, whatever. I'm just being transparent. You all bear with me. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. It's good talk. But this is what I think we can all grow at, and that is this. is That is, I'm not saying that you're compromising because that's what we all think. Oh, we just have to compromise. You know, if they do wrong, it's just like, oh... I, my kids, when they do stuff wrong, I don't go just say, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever it will be, whatever. No, but this is what you do. You love them in spite of themselves. You want to change people? Love them in their faults. I said, you want to change people? Love them in their faults. And now I'm going to talk to the kids who maybe have parents who don't have that revelation. And that is because you think, oh, I just got to off on that. No, you have a responsibility as a, a believer to love your parents in spite of their faults. It's a two-way street, baby. It is. 
You can't just say, well, you know, you just always point your finger at me and get over it. The Bible says to honor your parents. And it doesn't say if they're perfect. I like this side of the preaching. But there's no perfect parents and there's no, but this is what God wants us all to know as believers. He said this is that this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples and that is your love for one another. And honey, if we're having a hard time loving our kids and loving our parents, dear Lord, how are we going to love people out there? Hmm. stick to my notes now. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, the lovers of God will walk in integrity and their children are fortunate to have godly parents as their examples. Man, if you have godly parents, man, that is a blessing. Not everybody does. Some probably here, maybe they, you didn't. I didn't say, when I mean godly, I don't mean perfect religious parents. I'm just talking about people who love God. If you have parents that have loved God, you're blessed, super blessed. But um, I think this is what I feel like, God, when I was praying about this message. I just put, I feel like the Lord put this on my heart, and that is for us to have a desire to walk in unity with not only people of our family, but specifically with our family, but also with one another, to walk in unity. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says this. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Wow. Beloved, don't be obsessed with, with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures saying. If you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Harmony. I love listening. You know, back in the old day, the quartets, I'm telling a little bit of my age, you know, when there was a quartet or the women's trio. And, man, that harmony, when they were good. Man, I mean, when we had some in my church growing up. Man, even as a kid, I thought, whoa, that's pretty. It's just beautiful because they're all singing differently, but uh, their difference of voices coming together is such a beautiful thing. Harmony. You got the band playing, you got the, the voices just harmonizing. And when everybody is just on key, singing what they're supposed to, listen to me. It's not only a blessing to them, but to all who hear it. 
when we walk together in harmony and unity, it's not only a blessing to us, but it's a blessing to everybody who can see it. It's a blessing that everybody can see it. And God wants us to do that. That's a great news. But the other part of that is God will help us to do that. He's given us grace to do that because, listen, things rub us all wrong. I mean, anybody can be a thorn in your flesh, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your neighbors, the whole world can be a thorn in your flesh. How do we get away from that? Become a hermit? Live in a cave? No, that's not the answer. That is not the answer. We're going to give you some things. Romans 15, 5 says this, Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort. Who's the great source of endurance that you can make it, you can outlast? Did you know you can outlast the devil? You can, because he's impatient. Now may God, the source of great endurance and comfort, grace you with unity among yourselves. He wants to grace you with unity in our church family and in your personal home. Grace you with unity among yourselves, and which flows from your relationship with Jesus, the anointed one. So if you want more unity, more harmony in your home, in your life, it says that it can flow more with your relationship that comes from Jesus. So if there's a lot of strife in your life, a lot of division in your life, start talking to him. Start talking to God. Start just talking to him. Having your fellowship and relationship just blossom with God because it says grace will be poured out because of that. Then verse 6, it says, Then with the unanimous rush of passion, you will with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to take God to do this. You and me are not going to be able to walk in harmony 24-7 in our own strength. Sunday morning we can, you know, we come, everybody's lovey-dovey, and we all just love one another, hug, 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 shake, whatever, pump, whatever. We all just, but then you get outside these four walls, and life happens. Life happens. There's a great story I remember. He's a pastor of a large, large church, thousands of people. He was he was going had this meeting. Him and his wife that had to a special meeting they had to attend to, and so his wife I think was the speaker. And so she he picked up the uh, dry cleaning for his wife, brought it home. She you know said, "Oh my goodness, look what's this!" And something was wrong. So he took the dry cleaning back to the dry cleaners, and he unloaded on the person who was across from the desk, or the counter, I mean. So she sat there and said, I am so sorry. We will take care of this right away. I am so sorry. If you can come back within an hour, this will be taken care of. He said, all right, 
And as he was going toward the door, this sweet little young lady said, and pastor, I just want you to know, I really do appreciate your Sunday messages. He turned back around, and he just pricked his heart. He says, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Oh. Yeah, we can smile, but how many times have we done that just because people don't know you're the pastor? You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, a follower of God. And don't get me wrong. He did that, and it's not like I'm trying to judge him. I'm just saying that people are out there. People are out there. And God wants to minister his love to everybody, not just believers. Not just believers, but to everybody. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 4 says this, verse 8, For bodily exercise profits a little. And I know everybody makes a big deal of that. It doesn't profit that much. See, no, it says it profits a little. And the little that's talking about is while you're here on this earth, it profits. When you get into heaven, there will be no treadmills. And everybody said, amen. amen. There won't be a gold's gym. I don't care what anybody, it may be gold, but there won't be a gold's gym up in heaven. For body exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So you go, yes, godliness profits in all things. That means every area of your life. The point is, what is godliness to you? You'll get about 100 different definitions or thoughts on that. What is godliness to you? In some places you go, and in godliness is, man, you make sure that you dress appropriately and your hair is appropriate and your makeup is non-existent and there's no jewelry and there's a list. I'm not part of that list, by the way. Thank God for... Anyway, I won't say... But anyway... (laughs) That's so funny. Because my wife's not up here. But anyway, what is godliness to you? Godliness. A lot of people think it's all based upon our behavior. There's some part of that. But if you think that's all godliness is, is your behavior, you're going to miss it. And you're going to think that you're never godly unless you are perfect. And we know. That you're not. You know, all the Bible talks about walking in the flesh, walking in the spirit. I believe godliness in a nutshell is 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in the world. Conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. I think the bottom line is godliness is that you love God. And your desire is not only to love him, but to treat people. The best that you know how. That's godliness in a nutshell. You can have a hundred different things. But if you can't fulfill them all the time, what does that mean to you? 
Jesus said this, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If we are having so much trouble to walk with God and to be on this planet and to fulfill his plans and purpose that it becomes a burden to us, you can rest assured that you are missing it 1,000%. That has helped me so much. You know, because, I mean, well, I just got to do a better job. Oh, I want to make God pleasing to me. I want to just be... You're going, you're going down the wrong road. And I know that religious people, they think I'm blaspheming, blaspheming, saying things that are not right. But anyway, this is the thing. God wants us to enjoy life, and there's a lot of Christians not enjoying life because they just think that they, they're never measuring up to God. No one will ever measure up to God. I'm going to say it again. No one will ever measure up to God. That includes you, just so you know, and me. No one's going to ever measure up to that. And this is what I say just about, I try to about every funeral. That's why we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior because we could never measure up. Thank God Jesus came, and now he's the measuring stick, not Mike Davis. People say, well, you know, you do this, you do that. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, man, you, you just, you know, you're not the perfect pastor. <laughs> wow. Aren't you a rocket scientist? And you're not the perfect Christian believer either. You're not the perfect fill in the blank. There's only one perfect. His name is Jesus. But the good news is I can step inside of Jesus and God sees Jesus in me instead of Mike Davis. Woo. The problem where we miss it is we have to see ourselves in him instead of seeing ourselves outside of him. When you see yourself outside of him, you're going to see guilt. You're going to see condemnation. You're going to see all the ugliness, all the ugliness, what everybody else can see. And then a few things that people don't even know about that you are the only one that you can see. You'll see that. The man, God wants you to see yourself in Christ. And you know what? When you and I do, it will affect our behavior. It'll affect your character. It'll affect how you, most importantly, it will affect how you treat people. It'll affect how you treat people. It's the grace of God. You say, man, they shouldn't, you know, they do this and they do that, you know, whatever. Instead of criticizing, just say, wow, I'm going to pray for them. It's amazing. It is amazing when I pray for my kids or pray for people that I feel better about it. And I may not see any change, but I feel good about it because I know that God is working. God is working. Godliness will reflect on how we treat people. When you live for God... You will see a difference in your life, your job, your family, your finances, even your health. Godliness is profitable in all things. You'll see a difference. But I will say this. Godliness isn't a culture. It's an attitude of the heart. It has little to do with how a person looks And I know that's sometimes hard for believers. Years ago, years ago, 
and I do mean a long time, we were at the storefront building. There was this woman who came in, and she wore a real fancy dress, but her V-neck, I mean, went almost all the way to her belly button. I mean, it's kind of like, man, you had to, look, I mean, when you talked to her, you didn't want to just look at her eyes. You just wanted to look way up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> sweet, sweet lady. And this is her testimony when she came in. She got me off to the side. And she said, you know, there was a bar at the end of Club Manor. She said, every Friday and Saturday night, I'd go to this bar. She said, I see your, your church sign. And I just felt I need to go visit that church. I need to go visit that church. And um, I didn't know her testimony at first. I just, you know, some of the people in my church would say, you know, Pastor, should we say something to her? I said, no. Don't you say a word to that lady. Do not say a word to that lady. I knew she didn't grow up in church. She was wearing the best that she had. It just so happened that it was woo, all the way down to there, you know what I mean? But she was dressing nice. But uh, she, did, she just didn't know. And But she came every Sunday. So I told everybody, I said, don't you criticize her. Don't you say a word to her. And after a few weeks, her clothing changed without anybody saying anything. I wonder if, if somebody would have said something to her the very first Sunday, what would have happened? Mm. There was a couple in our church, you know, this is, I mean, our church was only three months old, so this is a long time, and uh, they were living together. Everybody knew they were living together, so all the people, you know, all the self-righteous people <laughs> got their little <laughs> guard up, you know, like... You know, and they all came running to me. All the self-righteous people came running to me. Are you going to say something to her? Are you going to say something? No. Well, you, mm, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I, nope. No, you're not. No, you're not. Don't say that word. You know, I wanted to say, let's go over your sin list. But I, the pastor that I am, I did not. I don't think. But anyway, I may have. I don't know. But anyway, I shouldn't have. But my point is this. You know, it, we're easy to point the finger. And a lot of times, man, we need to look into the mirror. It's easy to get. It's hard to get the, the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a telephone pole in yours. This is still good preaching, just in case for those who don't know. But anyway, I thought I'd remind you of that. But anyway, I didn't say a word to this person. They just kept coming and kept coming. And after about three months or so, she came to me. She said, I'd like to get married. I said, awesome. I'll marry you for free. Just tell me what. That was Sunday. She invited me Monday morning to her house, and I married her and her boyfriend right then and there. Amen. I'm telling you, the grace of God will cause people to be set free when you just love them, when you just love people. Am I trying to, am I trying, don't get in a ditch and say I'm condoning sin. No, I'm not. But I do know this. 
It's the kindness and the love of God that causes people to come. To come to think differently. To come to think more like God. Did you hear me? The love of God compels people to want to do right and do what's best. And the history of the church has been... Sinner, you're a sinner. And the whole time we're looking in a mirror and it's bouncing right back off us. You're a sinner. We all are. But this is the thing. If you see yourself as the righteousness of God, we struggle. Men, we struggle. Women, we struggle in seeing ourselves as the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? Because we see our faults. They're more, it's more real to us. But if we ever get to the point that we can see and step inside of the Lord Jesus Christ and a light dawns inside of us and a revelation sparks forth that I am righteous 1,000% as much as Jesus, it will transform your life. God is not looking for self-disciplined uh, righteousness. He's looking for transformation. Transformation. It'll change you. You say, well, I'm not there yet. You know what? Until seven years ago, if anybody would have asked me, do I understand about grace, I would 1,000% say, grace, that's the gospel. Yeah, of course I do. Seven years ago. I've been, uh, I was saved when I was seven years old. This November, I will be in full-time ministry 30 years. I mean, when I'm in full-time, not working a secular job. I quit FedEx in November uh, 1991, we went to Africa, 1991, 30 years, 23 years in full-time ministry. I did not have a clue about the grace of God. I know some of you go, say what? Yeah, 23 years, didn't have a clue. I'm full-time ministry. Full-time pastoring, preaching, teaching. Oh, my goodness. And I didn't have a clue about the grace of God. Until seven, eight, nine years ago. I'm, I keep forgetting, give or take. And I used to be critical when I found out about the grace of God. I thought, Lord, you know, for 23 years I've been preaching this. And he says, I'm okay with that. You'll be surprised. What God is okay with, even though it, I, I do know this. You know, the Bible says uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. But it, I also believe this. Sometimes the more knowledge that we have on religious things, the less we love people. Because we know so much. The Bible also says knowledge puffeth up. And that terminology in the Greek is like cotton candy. Looks like there's a lot of substance there. You ever squish cotton candy? I've done that. You know, it's a big thing like this, and all it goes, it goes down. This is the thing. My time's up, and it's Father's Day. I want to let you go. But I just want you to know, even though I believe all of us can grow in the love of God and in his grace, and this should be your prayer. You and I need to pray this, not for our own selves. Did you know 
the revelation that we get, a lot of it is for other people, not even for you. The more grace that I get and the more of the love of God, I'm going to treat you better. 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 I'm not going to be as critical as you. I'm not going to be as critical as you. I'm going to just, oh, I'm just going to be able to love you in spite of yourself. So this is, let's just believe this. Let's make this our prayer. To humble ourselves before God and say, God, give me a greater revelation of your love and of your grace. So I can be a blessing to everybody outside of the church, inside of the church. Amen? Let's stand. Hallelujah. I know a lot of this is so simple and you think, yeah, it is. It's so simple you can miss it. Like I said, if I could have gotten a debate with you 10 years ago about the grace of God, I would have, I would have, you would not have changed my mind. You would not have changed my mind. But then all of a sudden, I don't know if I let my guard down. But I, I got to a place where God could teach me something. We all think we're teachable. I, if you said, if you've been in this church for more than a few years, you probably know the, the number one characteristic of any believer is to be teachable be teachable. People say, oh, the number one thing we should have is faith. The number one thing we should have is love. No, because if you're not teachable, you'll just grow so far in faith. You'll just grow so far in love. You'll just grow so far in grace. But if you're teachable, you'll continually, because life is a journey. We should continually be teachable so I can learn more about grace. I can learn more about love because it's, it's God. Therefore, there's no end to it. There's not, okay, I understand it now. No. You don't understand everything about love. You don't understand about grace. And I'm just saying, I mean, I can talk to you for about 10 minutes, and I know if you have any revelation about grace. Everybody's never going to talk to me again. It's okay. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. I'll pray for you. Somebody can talk to me, and they can think, eh, he doesn't know everything there is to know about grace, and I will amen that. I will amen that. My point is, let's grow together on this journey called grace, called the love of God. Why? So we can be the change agent for Pueblo, Colorado. So we can be the change agent for your home, for your workplace. It starts with you and me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the revelation that you not only have, but it's your desire to show it to us. So I pray for each and every one of us, starting with me, open our eyes that we may see. Help us to realize that we need to grow in the realm of grace to be a better father, to be a better mother, to be a better friend, to be a better servant of God, to be a better church member, to be a better worker, to be a better person in life. Your desire is for us to walk in victory, to enjoy life, 
And I believe the more that we know you, the more we will enjoy life. So help us to know you, the eternal one. This is eternal life, to know him. So thank you for helping us do it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.